Progress. All right, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Kabbalah and Coffee. So I want to begin our discussion about, oh, so today's topic is mystical division. You guys saw that, mystical division? It's all about Kabbalah math. And when we talk about Kabbalah math, there is an advantage to division over multiplication. And I know what you're thinking. Like, who likes division more than multiplication? Multiplication is you get more stuff, division is less stuff. How is that better? But as we'll see today, there's an advantage, a very distinct advantage in division over multiplication or addition. In other words, sometimes less is much more, as we'll see. So let's talk about less being more. Um, there is a thing, I've used this example before in, previous, in, in other sessions, there is something called a transformer. You guys know what a transformer is? Not like in the 80s, at least when I was growing up, there was transformers. More than meets the eye. Who remembers that? Yeah, there's like these little things. I remember there was like He-Man, 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 something like that, and Transformers. Anyway, but Transformers exist also in the power grid or in the infrastructure of a, of a city, of a civilization. What is the role of a Transformer? So I actually Googled to give you some facts, and based on what came up in my very brief Google search, is a transformer, well, just give you the, the, the general concept and then the, 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 the details that I saw this morning. The general concept is that the power that runs on the power line outside, right, is way more than what you can handle. When I say you, it's not a judgment. I mean you as in me, as in our homes, as in our, our appliances. It's, way, it's thousands of volts of power that run in the power line. So this is what I Googled. I'm like, how many volts is on a typical power line? I saw the number 7,200. I don't know if that's accurate or not, but that's the number that I saw. 7,200 volts. And you know, like this outlet, these outlets are like, what are they, 110, 120? Something like that? So it's got it. So you have thousands of watts, literally thousands of volts that need to be cut down into 100 or so. I've told you my story about London, right? When I went to Yeshiva in London. And London, of course, is 220-240. And I didn't know that. I just, you know, I was, I mean, I've told this story a thousand times. And, like, I brought some appliances. And then I bought at the local, it probably wasn't even Rite Aid. It was probably Eckerd. Eckerd, was that a place? Eckerd? Was that a drugstore? Yeah. I probably bought at Eckerd in Pittsburgh. Instead of a transformer, I brought a, um, an adapter. Plug in the adapter, boom, I fried my first device ever, first day in London. That, that's the way that worked. Because if you have too much energy, it's no good. We were driving the other day. I was driving my kids to school, back from school, who knows where. I was driving my kids, and the sun was, oh, it's probably, I don't know. The sun was extremely low. Does that make sense? Sun would have been low. When would it have been low? I don't know. The sun was very low. Ready to step. I but I don't think it was at night. I think it was, oh, maybe in the morning. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. In the morning? We were actually driving in Buckhead. Um, the other day, we were driving like in Buckhead on the way because I was cutting through because there's construction on Piedmont Road. It's really throwing off my game over here. Whatever. I'm not going to talk about that right now. But anyway, so uh, we're driving, and the sun is super low. And I'm like, hey, I don't know, if, is this true? Like, you're not supposed to look at the sun, even if it's like, even if it's dim and whatever. Is that, is that, is that still legit? We, that's what I learned when I was a kid. But I, we also learned when we were kids about the dangers of, um, 
of quicksand. And that seems to have passed without much danger, right? I'm just saying that danger of quicksand, like existential danger, no? It's still a thing, but I feel like, I feel like, I feel like when we were kids in the big scheme of things, quicksand was, was ranked really high about the things that you got to be afraid of. And, and as life has unfolded, there have been many other things that have been ranked higher than quicksand as far as danger. I don't think I'm wrong here. Matt, where would you? Yeah, right, okay, but I'm just saying, like, in, in, uh, have you ever encountered quicksand as being a dangerous thing? We think it's more dangerous than it actually is. <laughs> right. Everyone's like, quicksand. <laughs> it was like, watch out where you step because, you know, who knows? It just could be quicksand. That fear, it would be ironic if any of us, God forbid, but look, the point is that, not, not any of us shouldn't even say such things. The point is that the son, I was always taught, and I'm now teaching it to my kids, but as I'm saying it to my kids, I'm wondering, like, am I instilling... Is this urban legend? Is it legit? If the sun is low and there's kind of a cloud in front of it, is it still dangerous to look at? I'm telling my kids yes. And they're like, why? I'm like, don't look at it. They're like, oh, it looks so nice. Anyway, I'm kidding. So, or not. So this is what's going on the other day. And I'm thinking to myself, hey, Adam, good to see you. And I'm thinking to myself, right? By the way, everyone should be taking breakfast. This is like Donna put out so nicely. Thank you, Donna. Um, So here's the deal. You know, when there's too much energy, when there's too much power, when there's too much light, it can actually harm the recipient that is not, that is not able to receive in such abundance. That's just the way it is. That's the way it is. So whether it's the power line outside your home that has thousands of volts of power and your appliance can only handle 100 or so volts of power, whether it's the eye that can only take in a certain amount of sun, right? Hence, the, this is why Ray-Ban makes a killing. Right? How does Ray-Ban, why does Ray-Ban exist? Why did God create Ray-Ban, so to speak, right? Um, no, but they're very, they're pricey, but they're very efficient. Okay, no, they're I efficient. Used to, I used to ski a lot, and, uh, you know, you can really look at the sun. You're saying with Ray-Ban, it's good. Safe, good, yeah. see that? See that? So there is a utility. It's not just, no, but the point is sunglasses in general, I was kidding about Ray-Ban, but I mean, or maybe not, but sunglasses in general, the point of sunglasses is to cut out, to cut down, to limit the harmful rays, right? And to, I guess, Ray-Ban, I guess it's banning the rays that are harmful. Maybe that's the name. Maybe that's the reason for it. And it is allowing in what can be accepted or received by the eye. So here's the rule in life. The rule in life is, that there can be too much of a good thing. There can be too much of a good thing. The classic example of Rana Kabbalah is wisdom, right? Education, when a teacher teaches, the teacher is on a, imagine an Einstein on a very profoundly high level of, of intelligence. Mazel tov. <laughs> well done. <laughs> right? Imagine an Einstein um, who just is absolutely, br- his mind is brilliant and racing with all of these brilliant ideas and now you put him into a classroom of you know, fifth graders, and the question is, you know, how is Einstein going to operate in a classroom of fifth graders? Right? How is that going to work out? What's he going to tell them? So if he's speaking on his level, they're not going to understand. Anyone brilliant in their field, you know, you can't understand. The, the beauty of our, I think one of the beauties of our, one of the amazing things of our time is that you have things like TED Talks and other formats where you have, like, really smart people explaining things in really understandable ways 
to the layperson. I think that's one of the cool things um, that, that we encounter in our times. I don't mean it's exclusive to our times because since time immemorial, people have been explaining big ideas to, to the average person. But I think in our times, there are a lot of platforms for this to happen. Be that as it may, the real point here is that sometimes in order for something to be sustainable, in order for something to be received and accepted, you need to cut it down to size. Because if it's in its pure, unfiltered form, it's just not going to be able to be digested. You know what? Let me give you another, another example. Who remembers the internet when it first started? I'm going to say, I'm going to put up my hand. I kind of remember. Now, I don't mean like... The AOL disc. Right. Oh, the AOL disc. But hold on. Right. I don't mean like when it was initially between like two computers at MIT. I'm making up information here. But like between two computers at some university somewhere. I don't mean that. I mean when it first became like sort of for the masses. I, I was... I'm, I'm not that old. I don't think I'm that old. I mean, people may disagree, but like, um, I, I kind of remember when it was first emerging. And I remember how back in the day, yes, AOL, right, Donna mentioned AOL. You would get those discs in the mail or in magazines. It's like you get like five free hours of internet. And it would make that noise, right, that noise, like dial up, that connection. Somebody called, you're done, you're finished, the, the, the phone line is done, right, you can't connect if... You can't have a phone call and an internet connection at the same time. You got to choose, pick your poison. Um, but one other thing about the internet. In a time before Google, right, what was the internet like? I'm not trying to, tr I'm not trying to deify Google. They have their own, their own issues. But, well, there's more open, but how do you sort through information? Right, what other search, huh? We had Yahoo back in the day. There was Yahoo. Yeah, Alta Vista. Like Alta Vista. Ask Jeeves. Ask Jeeves. That's the one I was going to mention. That was the one I was going to mention. Ask Jeeves. Remember that? Who knew? Who knows what answer you would get? Ask Jeeves. Who's Jeeves? So, who knows? No one knows even. But what I think, you know, something that Google definitely, to their credit, what they definitely did was the, the idea of taking something really big and making it a little bit more usable, where you look for something and you're going to get a defined set, a defined parameter of things that fit your criteria. And listen, you know, I'm not, I'm not, this is not an argument for, against big, you know, big tech companies and whatever, and their policies. There's a lot to talk about. I think evil's original motto was, do no evil. Was that the original motto? Something like that? Don't be evil. Don't be evil. All right. Don't be evil. Okay, I don't know. Uh, free products, you know what they say when you have a free product? You are, you are the product when you don't pay for it. You are the product. Ads, right? It's, uh, it is what it is. So, but, but the point is that you take something that's almost bigger than usability. When I say bigger than usability, like how do you sort through? Imagine if there, was, if there were no search engines. Imagine that. Like there would be all this information online how would, you, how would you search, how would you look through anything? Imagine if, like, another example, maybe an easier example to wrap our heads around. Imagine if you walked into a library and all the books were just thrown around. <laughs> I'm looking for a book on U.S. history. Okay, there's 10,000 books in here, good luck. Just start looking through books. See what you find. You might find what you're looking for, you might find something else that you're interested in. With, with, without being organized and sorted by category, Right, by grouping, by genre, it, it becomes just completely unwieldy and, and just 
frankly unusable. It's just, there's nothing you can really do with just everything, everywhere, unsorted. The idea of sorting something means that you're taking something big and you're cutting it down into distinct categories. Okay, this is our history section. This is our, um, what other sections are there? Help me out here. Right, we have history, we have politics, we have science, we have sports, sports we have cooking, we have art, we have culture, we have religion, we have Judaism, we have uh, Hasidus, Kabbalah, we have in town Jewish Academy, right? Very specific categories, right? Just, uh, I don't know what you're going to find if you go that deep down the, uh, that, that deep down the uh, delineation in your local library, in your local, uh, yeah, library. But the point is, without, without categories, the mass of information or books or whatever it is, is just too, too much to, to be useful. Like the electricity that's running, like just to go circle back to my example, the electricity running through the wires in front of your home, it's too big to use. You can't use it unless it's cut down with a transformer. I've told this story before. I had, um, back in the day, I had Comcast for my cable internet. And Comcast. Oh, okay. Yeah, <laughs> that's what people are calling it nowadays. I'm calling it. Right. Yeah, so Comcast, um, and this is before Google Fiber moved into the neighborhood. We're spoiled now, at least uh, this, this little area, is, I don't know this building specifically, but around here, I think we have Comcast there. Anyway, so um, we had Comcast and issues with the internet, which were not that unfrequent, and uh, I called Comcast, and they came down. The technician came down and said, okay, the issue is you're getting in too much bandwidth. I'm like, that <laughs> doesn't sound right. You're getting, there's too much coming in that they have to put some sort of damper or whatever it is, I'm just making up terms here, put something on the line to cut down the bandwidth because too much was coming in and it was overloading the router or whatever it was. It was overloading the, the modem or the router and it was making it not, uh, it was making it inconsistent. The point is, when something is too big, look, we typically think, like I wrote, again, I wrote in the email, the bigger the better. You know, if it's, if it's bigger, it's better. If it's more, yes, supersize me, right? Like, just give me, give me a lot. If, if a little is good, a lot is even better. The reality is, a lot is not always better, right? You have a lot of electricity, okay, it's not going to work. I have now an elaborate line of three, uh, three extensions here to power my computer, because I realized that my computer was, uh, was dead this morning, pretty much. So... So if, if that power coming in is too much, it's not going to be good for the computer. If the uh, sun is too bright and we expose our eye to it, that's not good. God forbid, it's not good. If the internet is, un, is unfiltered, when I say filtered, I mean if it's uncategorized, if you can't find anything because everything is everywhere, that's not good. That's not good. We have to be careful as to how it's being this. These are big issues. When you search for something, how does it rank? Right? Who's paying for that rank? These are very big issues, and I'm not, I'm not commenting on, and Don, I feel like you've told me about you know, your um, experience in that, in that genre. Yeah, well, yeah, I was an original internet entrepreneur in the, day, in the, in the early mid-90s, and I got grandfathered in for my uh, web uh, e-commerce site, and I was high on all the search engines. Yes, and I, I was able to have a business. And then, when all of a sudden the ads took over and this and that, and then it became, yeah, the more money you throw at it, the yeah. way that you can get 
It's not, it's not democratized. It is capitalized. It's, it's capitalism, straight up. Facebook is the same way. You can post an event on Facebook, zero people will see it. Zero people will see it. There is a possibility for organic, for organics, possibly organic. It's very possible. Yeah. If it's not really, yeah. It's not, and Right. You got you to put down money. That's, that's straight up. You got to put down money, and then, then, then people will start seeing it. It's the way it is. You got to pay to play. But here's the point something that is just, you know, a library with all the books just spilled out on the floor, you just can't use it. And, and this is going to be, as we'll see today, a major theme of understanding the necessity of the energy of Gevura to make chesed, I'm going to translate the terms in a moment, to make chesed usable. So chesed is the idea of giving, of kindness, of generosity, of abundance. Chesed is like, it's good, it's bestowing benevolence, it's giving, it's loving kindness. Chesed is awesome. But as we'll see today, and really this is the core of today's class, is that chesed without gvura is just chaos. Not only chaos, it's, it's unusable, it's un. It's just you can't, you, you, can't, you can't manage the chesed if it's not cut down with gvura. And we'll have, in, in our text, we'll have multiple examples of this, like real-life examples of, in addition to the ones that I gave, I gave you different examples. So there are many examples that are given in this chapter that speak about the necessity of gvura to make chesed usable. So typically we think of chesed and gvura as opposites. Right, if you think of the, of the mystical chart of Sviro, which we, we kind of went through last week a little bit for the purposes of Malchut, but I have a few copies here, but I'll just hold it up. Right, we typically think of, of Chesed and Gvura as polar opposites. Chesed is on the right side, Gvura is on the left side, Chesed is love and giving, generosity, and Gvura is severity, withholding. It's about no, this is yes, this is no. Couldn't be more opposite than that. But the, but the truth is, in, in its purest form, yes, it can manifest as this being good and this being very ugly. Yes, chesed, and the way it plays out, chesed could be beautiful, generous, and giving, and gvura could be angry and mean and dictator. It could be, this could be brutal. Gvura could be brutal, could, but in its original source, chesed and gvura are closer than we think. And you, it takes gvura to really enjoy chesed. Because when you have just pure unmitigated, un, unfiltered chesed, it's not manageable for the recipient. You can't do anything with that. If you just have pure chesed without gvura, well, what do I do with that? It's almost like, think about, think about it this way, it's almost like creating a new language without any rules or parameters. Imagine that. Imagine like there are no words or sounds or definitions that exist is just free, free language, like free, open, create-as-you-go language, then it's just unintelligible. It doesn't mean anything, right? The, the power... To them, everyone's talking to themselves, and, and, they, and you don't even know what you're talking about, right? You, the person themselves doesn't even know. Think about music. I'm just trying to think of other examples, like just real-life examples, just to, music, all of the greatest compositions that have ever been composed in music can be played on 88 keys. 88 keys? Am I right here with 88 keys? Yeah, 88 keys. All of the greatest musical compositions ever composed, they can all be played on 88 keys. 
maybe even less, if you talk about strings, maybe even five strings. They can all be played with a very finite number of combinations. But imagine if you didn't have 88 keys, imagine you had one key that played all the music. <laughs> what, kind of, what kind of music would that be? Dong, ding. Imagine if it played all the notes at the same time. That's not music. It's called noise. Maybe it's modern, like modern art music type thing, like where it's playing for like, like, like you know, a year and you go to pay money performance to, art. performance art, thank you, that's what I was looking for, performance art, you pay money to go into and see like a banana taped to a wall, duct taped to a wall and hear some music, a tone. There is, there definitely was a, I remember seeing a documentary on this, somebody playing a note or some musical thing very slowly, right, super slow, an extended note that people were paying money to listen to. In my day, it would be like, I got, I got, you want to buy the Brooklyn Bridge. Like, that's what we used to say in my day. But apparently, no, I, I don't mean, listen, art is subjective and it's, it is what it is. I'm not judging. The point is, like this, that chesed without gvura is nothing. What's chesed without gvura? What is giving without, without definition? It's like, it's almost like you want to think about it this way because it's a classic cliche. What is light without darkness? Light ceases to have any meaning without darkness. One could argue who says, but without limitation, without the gvura, then what is the chesed? The chesed doesn't have, doesn't have, you can't use the chesed. You can't receive the chesed. The chesed doesn't mean anything. Imagine if, and okay, I'm going to, finally going to give in and give you one of the examples that we're going to talk about in this chapter directly. Imagine if the mouth couldn't, couldn't divide the sound of the voice. Think about it. Imagine if we didn't have the ability, because you're, you're hearing what I'm saying now, right? Literally, and I'm using the different parts of my mouth to, to move around sound so that you hear different words that make sense to you, which is a crazy thing if you think about it. But imagine if I just went like this. Uh, what would that mean to you? Right? I know what it means. Someone's got a tongue depressor down his throat, right? Like, Someone's checking his tonsils. But like, but that pure sound or a pure breath sound or a pure like ah sound, ah, doesn't, doesn't mean anything unless you take that sound and you put gvura to it. You block it and you only let it go in a certain way. Are you with me on what gvura is? Gvura is you're, you're stopping. You're stop. Literally, as you hear me say the word stopping, I'm stopping my voice with the letters, articulating the letters. It's not coming out pure. Ah is pure. Stopping is, there's, there's a, the, the sound is being cut and blocked and opened and blocked again and redirected this way and that way to provide, to create different sounds that are then intelligible and understandable to the one who knows the language. It's a, it's a language is a crazy thing if you think about it. We take it for granted. We take it for granted, right? As kids, we learn how to talk. We pick up sounds. We mimic sounds, right? Mama, dada, right? My Nussin's first words were lemon seltzer, whatever. It's a thing. It's a Brooklyn thing. Anyway, the point is, not exactly, but one of his first words. We take language, I think, sometimes for granted. We can't take it for granted. It's a wild concept that we can take sound and block it and stop it and, and, and move it around and 
different inflections and different, you know, produce different sounds. And then now suddenly we can communicate. And it's, the, how many letters are in the English language? 22. No, 26, right? 26, 22 in the, in the Hebrew alphabet. And, and with those letters, you can communicate anything you want. There is no limit of communication. You can do anything with a very finite, defined number of letters. What if you had one letter? <laughs> or open letters, like you didn't have... Then no one would understand anything. No one would know anything. So it turns out that the gvura is necessary for the chesed. You couldn't have chesed. You couldn't give, share, bestow, confer. You couldn't communicate. You couldn't connect without gvura, without the language that is literally blocking the sound from coming out. You want to give someone a hug, right? You want to give a child a hug. You have to, you have to use gvura with your chesed, right? Because if you, want, you hug your little child, right? You give a hug to your little child, you can't hug with the full measure that you want to hug. What's going to happen? It's going to be too much for the little kid. You can't hug a little kid so hard, right? You got to hold back. You ever have a situation where you're trying to open up, I don't know, let's say a champagne bottle, but you don't want the cork to go flying? I'm just saying theoretically, <laughs> theoretically, right? And so what you're doing is you're like opening it, but you're also not opening it so strong. You, you know what I'm talking about, right? So, I, and I, right? So there's chesed and gvura happening. There's the, you're using the, you're, you're opening it, but you're also trying to hold back. And then you're like, it's like not working. And then you're like, if there was no, if it was a safe space, right? Boom, it's open, right? It can open, it would spill, like, no big deal. But when you're trying to make it so that it, it is usable, where it's, in other words, where it's safe and protected, it's not going to bust the light or it's not going to like go all over the place, even though, you know, everything is it's like also fine, you know, whatever. Um, but when you're trying, so that, that, that's where gvura comes in. Gvura means you're withholding. Even as you're opening, you're also almost holding it back at the same time. And it's a wild concept. Sometimes, you know, somebody, you have like a, a bottle of something, carbonated beverage, and like you don't want to, I mean, similar example, but you don't want to open it all the way because you know it's going to, so you're opening it slowly and like you almost can't get it open because you're self-gvura-izing yourself, right? You're applying your own gvura to your chesed and it's not going. But the point is that sometimes you have to do that. You have to apply the gvura to get the chesed. So chesed, is like this. You go to a restaurant and the waiter comes. It's a very, very nice dinner. Very special dinner. The waiter comes with a bottle of wine. Okay? Chesed is pouring the wine. The waiter pouring the wine. Gevura is stopping when the wine gets toward the top of the glass. And guess what? That's also chesed. Because <laughs> if he kept on pouring or she kept on pouring, what's going to happen? It's going to go all over the place. It has to flow for Well, yeah, we do that. And by the way, speaking of which, we're going to learn today, in today's class, why Chabad, if you've noticed how we make Kiddush, how we say Kiddush, right? So we take the cup, and how do we do it? We put it in our hands like this. You ever notice that? Is that Chabad does it? Okay, I'm going to demonstrate. Yeah, well, again, it's... I know it's 5 o'clock somewhere, but right here, I'm still... 
We have because it's always a party here. What do you mean? This is Kabbalah and coffee. Okay, so the way the way you do with a uh, I wish we had a kiddush cup here. The way we do it with a it's fine, huh? No, I don't think so. I think it's um, no, it's put in the back. It's cleaned and put in the back. Okay. Anyway, the way we do it for kiddush, and I mean I could do this a little bit later, but I think it's relevant right now, is that you you have the cup on the you have the cup on the table. If you're righty, you do, if you're lefty, you just reverse everything. You pick it up with your right hand, switch it to your left hand, and then you put it in, back in your right hand, and you hold it like this. Okay? You hold it in the palm of your hand, resting on all your fingers. All your fingers are holding it, as opposed to something like this. Now, this is not for everyone who's listening to Kiddush. If you're listening to Kiddush, it's fine. You can just you know, grab your little grape juice or whatever it is, and, and it's fine. But the one who's reciting Kiddush should ideally hold it like this. This is based on Kabbalah, and it's based on the notion of the, the five fingers that play a very important role in the Kiddush blessing. Now, we're going to get into that literally in our text. It's going to talk about Kais Yeshua's Essa, about placing the cup on the five fingers, which we'll, again, we'll get to in our text. But you mentioned about overflowing, about champagne or wine overflowing. The idea of Kiddush is of course a blessing and a sanctification, and wine always represents joy. Wine represents joy, of course. Obviously, the caveat is drink responsibly, etc. But wine in general represents joy and represents mysticism. It says in Kabbalah, it says in, not in Kabbalah, it says in the Talmud, Yatza Yayin, Nichnas Yayin, sorry, I'm reversing it, Nichnas Yayin, Yatzasod, which means when wine enters, secrets come out. In fact, Yayin and Sod, wine and secrets, the two Hebrew words, Yayin and Sod, share the same numerology, 70. Yayin is Yud, Yud, Nun, right? Yud is 10, Yud is 10, Nun is 50, 10, 10, 50 is 70. And Sod, Tzamach is 60, Vav is 6, and Dalit is 4. 60 plus 6 plus 4 is also 70. So there's the numerology is connected between Yayin and Sod. Sod means secret. Yayin means wine. Sod means secret. In fact, there's four dimensions of Torah, of Torah learning. It's pshat, simple. Remez, allegorical. Um, drush, like medrash, homiletical. And sod, that's Kabbalah. So yayin is connected with Kabbalah, with, with secrets. Um, and on a very literal level, when somebody drinks a little wine, sometimes, oftentimes, out come the secrets. Right now, it's like, let me tell you how I feel, right? What I was holding inside can now come out. Um, so what's the point? The point is that yayin is connected with, wine is connected with secrets and with simcha, with joy, which is why on holidays or special occasions, it's always associated with wine. Um, whether it's life cycle events, a bris mila, a, at a brit there's wine, um, at a wedding there's wine, you know, a life cycle um, moments there's wine. Elijah's cup. Elijah's cup. And, and holidays, right? Holidays have wine. There's Kiddush every Friday night. There is, at the Seder, of course, four cups of wine. So why, and a fifth for Elijah. So there's, um, there's a lot, of, there's a lot of, uh, of connection with wine. Wine is about joy. Wine is about um, abundance and giving and enjoyment and pleasure and all that stuff. And at the same time, Kais Yeshua Sessa has to rest in the fire. Oh, so that's why before I get to the fingers, that's why we overflow the cup when we do Kiddush. Chalis Chabad custom is you pour the wine 
and make sure you have a plate, or maybe you don't mind the tablecloth getting stained, but you know, make sure you have some sort of plate underneath it, but you pour wine, and you don't stop when it gets to the top. You go, you keep on pouring until it overflows. What's the, de- what's the meaning of overflowing? Because we want the joy and the blessings to not be just, you know, just at capacity. We want it to be overflowing. We want the blessings to be over the top, literally over the top, to the point that we're like, okay, enough. Halavai, if only we would have to say enough, enough blessings. Like, we should only be so lucky. But the reality is that even the overflowing blessings require gvura. Not gvura as in severe, not, not gvura in the sense of um, um, sternness. We don't want divine sternness. But we need the blessings to be defined in categories that we can receive it. And this is the big idea that we're going to talk about today, how on Rosh Hashanah, because we've been talking about um, what happens on Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur and at Ne'ilah, which is the closing prayer on, on, on Yom Kippur, we were talking about what happens then. And as we'll see today, and we'll start the text in just a moment, on Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur, there's an opening of divine chesed, as we'll see the way it's referred to here as chesed of Atik. Atik is that highest level of Keter, the deepest level of Keter. So it's Chesed of Atik. It's like this pure, unfiltered, undefined Chesed, loving kindness. But in order for it to become usable, it requires Gvura of Atik, which means definition of Atik. As I said before, one example that's really at least resonating with me this morning, one that I came up with, it may not be perfect, but it's, it's, uh, it's what I got right now, is language. Language. For language to be usable, we have to agree on certain definitions. And a definition by definition is a limitation. So we agree that words mean something and they don't mean other things. Because if they meant everything, then we can't communicate. If all words meant everything, oh well, (laughs) then I guess we're not talking to each other. Then, Then we can't communicate. So we have to almost agree, not almost, we have to agree when we create any language that this word means this and doesn't mean anything else. I mean, with some rare exceptions that make things confusing. But, and this word means this and this word means that. And now we can have a conversation because when I use this word, you know what I mean and I know what I mean. If, if words don't mean anything, if language is just open and, and free, if it's pure chesed, if there's no definition, then we can't communicate. It's when language has definition when words mean something and not something else that's when we can now have a conversation so again today we're going to talk about the mystical if you want to know the mystical terms atik that's the mystical realm there's chesed of atik gavura of atik but really what we're talking about in real life is giving without definition versus giving with definition giving without definition means you're not really giving because the other one can't receive. You're giving, but you're not giving anything that can be handled. You're not giving anything that can be assimilated or taken in. It's like, what am I supposed to do with that? It's, it's like, here's a library. Go find your books. Ah, I can't. Here's the internet. Go find your information. Can't. Imagine if you wanted to look up a recipe. Yeah? What recipe did I look up recently? I looked up, looked up an interesting recipe recently. What was it? I don't know. Imagine you're looking up a recipe. Yeah? I always find myself typing in a recipe and then the word kosher. Because, like, you always find all sorts of <laughs> variations that, that are not uh, kosher friendly without typing in that word. So imagine, like, you're trying to look up a recipe for, um, I don't know, a lemon poppy seed cake. 
Don't knock it until you tried it. Amazing. Lemon poppy seed, blue, lemon blueberry poppy seed cake. Yeah, super good. Um, and you have an internet with so much information, but there's no search engine. How, how are you going to find it? What are you going to do? What do, you, what do you even do to find it? Where do you go? How do you climb through all the information, all the data? It's when it's organized and defined that it can then be useful. There's a great website, an app, which I've talked about many times. I use it all the time, called Safaria. Safaria is basically the entire um, library of Jewish thought digitized. But it's not like scanned. It's like it's typed out, ready to go, searchable. A lot of it is in. Very nice presentation. And you know what? You know what's great about Safari? I'm gonna I'm gonna hold up the. Um, oh, it's free. Yeah, it's free. That's 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 definitely good. But the other thing about Safari, how do I get to the homepage here? It's Safari homepage. Um, the other amazing thing about Safari is, hmm, it's going back to the last thing that I looked at, which is Esther. Um, the cool thing about this Safari is that it is super organized. Okay, I, I, I'm not sure how to how to express this. Um, but if you, you're not going to see my phone here, but if you want to look up Mishnah, it's divided into the different tractates and different books, 66 tractates or so. Everything is organized. Now, obviously, I mean, the tractates themselves are organized, but it's organized. Oh, here are general categories. This is, this is not bad. General categories. Okay? It says there's Tanakh, which is scripture, Mishnah, Talmud, Midrash, Halacha, Kabbalah, liturgy, Jewish thought, Tosefta, more. It's great. Now you know where you're looking. You're looking up the Talmud, boom, start with the Talmud, and then you go through there. You're looking up a Mishnah, boom. You're looking up uh, scripture, Tanakh, done. Midrash, Halacha, Kabbalah, hit Kabbalah, great. You got Sefer Yitzirah. You, got, you have Zohar, Ramak, Ramchal, Arizal, other Kabbalistic works. It's fantastic. What happens is that when it's organized, now it's usable. When it's unorganized, or not even unorganized, when it's not organized, then... then, not then accessible. It's not accessible. It's a great word, not accessible. Okay, Yaakov, you want to jump in? Uh, hey, good morning. Hey, good morning. Um, the first thing, the, the cup, the kiddush cup was right hand to left hand, back to right hand? Yeah, yeah. Who says Jews are OCD? Right. And then uh, the second thing, I guess we're going to be talking about, um, you know, how God organizes this information uh, to us and disseminates it from top down. What about um, the balance between having to, uh, I guess, subdivide things into projects and having like, like Chabad in town has all these different entities um and all these different sub communities and we have a lot of different um friendship circles and sometimes you know never do the twain meet or the three or four meet so how do we how do we incorporate well i guess how do we incorporate all these different areas of our life together and then the other way to put it is how do we get more full like when we trust god then we relinquish control of life um, you know, our strict, rigid control, trying to control everything, and then we get into the flow, and then the magic happens. But um, how do we 
balance that with having to structure things into projects? That's <coughs> that's a great question, and I think that I, I don't know that there's an that there's a that there's a definitive answer for that. I think your question is a great question. How do we balance? Essentially, the question is how do we balance? The chesed and the gvura. The idea of chesed being that flow, that pure flow where the energy is, is, is moving and it's unchecked, it's unfiltered, it's un, kind of unblocked to that place of block. I think there's moments, there's times for each in our own personal lives and also, like you said, with an organization, let's say. I think you really need both. It's a healthy balance. You need chesed, you need gvura. Gvura helps the chesed, chesed helps the gvura. But you're right, 100% right. Look, I'm, today we're emphasizing the need for the the delineation for the definition, because that's what our text is doing. You're emphasizing the other way around, which is, I think, important also to, that we don't forget the value of the flow, the value of that, that pure light. You have to have that, that creative free flow before you then define it when you communicate it to someone else. Like, you have to allow the imagination to wander before you set on your specific idea that you then want to pursue. Like, if somebody wants to create a business, so it's really good to dream and think about it and not, not yet cut it down to size. How am I going to do it? Kind of have that free vision. And then once you kind of have that process set, then knock it down. And that's what we're going to see actually today is that Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur, it starts off as chesed of Atik, which means pure flowing chesed. It's pure, unfiltered, uncut, right? Um, pure, pure flow. Of, of divine energy. And then at Ni'ilah on Yom Kippur, Ni'ilah is the, when Ni'ilah means close, right? At the close of Yom Kippur, when the gates are closing, so to speak, that's when the flow of energy also becomes closed in the sense, not that it becomes blocked from moving forward, but it becomes now channeled. There's a difference between being blocked and being channeled, right? Imagine you have a, 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 r- a broad rush of water, right? But it's going gonna, it's gonna to flood the plain. If you have all that water, so what you want to do is you want to now divide it into tributaries. That's going to go into this field and that field and the other field and this source and that source and you're going to, or this, not source, but like this recipient. It's going to now, instead of all the water going into one place, you're now going to move it into different places. That is exactly, according to Kabbalah, as we'll see in a moment, what Ni'ilah of Yom Kippur does. It's the time when, when God kind of Okay, there's, been a, there's a pure emanation. There's like pure energy flowing forward. Okay, now we're going to cut the energy, not stop it, but now we're going to cut it and divide it into manageable streams so that it can be used. Again, no different than the power line in front of our houses that has you know, upper, thousands and thousands of volts that now for each house... Now you get a little bit, you get a little bit, you get a little bit. Flowing through our walls, through our outlets, you have a little bit of energy, a little bit of power, enough that we can use, not too much to handle. You need the big amount outside because it's got to power all the houses. But for the house, it's got to be, it's got to be defined. The power plant has even more than, than the... Along the way, it keeps on getting cut down, cut down, cut down, cut down, different forms of, of this kavura. Okay, um, we're going to jump inside now. Um, I'm going to share my screen. Everyone here should have a copy. Let's make sure that that is the case, though. Yes? Yes, 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 yes. Okay. This is chapter 2, Discourse 18. This is an epic chapter. Okay? And I, I love the header. I'm not always a fan of the, all the headers, but this, this header is, is really good. True kindness is through severity. In other words, true chesed is through gvura, which sounds like, a paradox, like that's, a, that's impossible, and yet that's exactly the way it works. Now, 
The way we're going to do this is use mystical language. Just stick with me. I'm going to try to explain to the best of my ability the language, but the concepts you already know. The root of, the, of this flow elicited from Keter Malchut. Okay, again, chapter 2. The root of this flow, 266, elicited from Keter Malchut into the sphere of Malchut and Rosh Hashanah, i.e. the light and energy from Chesed of Atik that flows into Malchut. I'm going to stop right here. I know we're in the middle of a sentence here. But on Rosh Hashanah, he said, and Yom Kippur as well, it's a time that we ask, this is what we explained the last few weeks, it's a time that we tell God, we want your investment once again. God, invest in us once again. It's kind of like funding for a project. And you make a pitch. You make a proposal, a presentation. This is why I should get the funding. Okay? That's what we do on Rosh Hashanah. We tell God, God, invest in us once again. On an annual basis, that's literally what happens on Rosh Hashanah. Every year, we say, God, invest in us. Be our king. In other words, invest in us. Give us life. Give us energy. Give us what we need. Give us the blessings, etc. That's what happens on Rosh Hashanah. And on Rosh Hashanah, at least so far, God has always said yes. How do we know this? Because we're still here. So God, every year, agrees to our proposal and says, I will fund you. This funding, the initial funding, the initial yes, is uncut. It's un. Filtered, it's untempered, it's ungevurad to mix languages. It's not defined yet. It's a pure yes. That initial yes is a pure yes. Yes, I will invest. How much, to who, how, when, where. Yes, the initial right, it's like the power line. The initial yes is just pure chesed. So again, I'm going to read the words. The root of this flow. Already he's using language that we don't use in com- root of flow. Who says that? All right, but, but that's the, it's stuck in Kabbalistic terminology. The root of this flow elicited from Keter Malchot. Keter Malchot is God's desire to be king. That's when God says, yes, I want to be your king. That's coming from Keter Malchot. Keter means desire, Malchot to be king. So that desire, which flows into Malchot and Rasha Malchot is now the actualizing energy. So the desire to be king that flows into God's modality of, okay, now I'm going to be your king. I.e. the light and energy from chesed because that's the yes. Yes is chesed. Chesed is I'm giving. So the, the yes that flows into Malchut is still, third line in, 266, second half of that line, is still in a generalized state that has not been differentiated into details at all at this point. It's a yes that does not have differentiation or definition and cannot yet be received by the intended recipients. In other words, because it's not yet differentiated, therefore it cannot be received by the recipients. If you don't differentiate, differentiate means if you don't delineate, if you don't cut down the flow, then it cannot be received by the recipients. It just won't be received because it's just pure. In order that the light be capable of being received. In order that the light be capable of being received, it requires the five severities of Attic. Here we go. In order that the light be received, it has to have the five Gevurot. Severities mean Gevurot. The five levels of Gevura of Attic. Attic is that pure source 
of God's desire. You have to have the five severities coming from the same place as the initial yes, the initial desire to fund mankind, to fund the universe, has to also have a moment later, or a few moments later at least, some sort of definition and delineation. Because, let's continue inside, they, these five Gevurot of Atik, divide the Chesed into parts, or into categories, in this way, the true nature of the chesed can be realized. For only in this way are the creatures, you and I, capable of receiving the chesed. You and I cannot receive the divine blessing of chesed if it is not cut down to size, if it is not specified, if it is not differentiated and delineated and defined into usable categories. If it's pure chesed, then we cannot deal with pure chesed. What does pure chesed look like? It, it's pure chesed, a pure yes. What does that mean? I, we ask for God's blessings. God says yes. Okay? What does that mean? What does that look like? Is it money? Is it health? Family? Is it all of the above? Two out of three? One out of three? How much, when, what day of the year? How's that going to work? What does it look like? So, on Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur, it's the yes. By Ne'ilah, that's when the five severities are shining. By Ne'ilah, suddenly things start getting delineated and defined. Okay, what does this look like? Okay, and this, as he says, this is the true nature of Chesed. In this way, Chesed can be realized. That's a very important line. You can't realize Chesed. Realize means you can't actualize Chesed without Gvura. And it sounds like a contradiction. Chesed is on its own. Who needs Gvura? It's opposite. It seems like opposite energies. Chesed is, chesed is here. Gvura is there. Opposite. Not, not opposite. You can't enjoy Chesed without Gvura. What kind of Chesed do you have that's, that's undefined? Now listen to this. Let's go into the next paragraph. And now he, he begins to give uh, multiple examples of where Gvura is necessary for the Chesed. And I mentioned maybe one of them before, but you'll see here these beautiful examples that he gives. This is the idea of what's called in Hebrew, Gevurot Hagashamim. Right? He says this is what's called um, Gevurot Hagashamim. Let me make sure that I have the right, uh, the right wording here. Yeah. Gevurot, oh, Gevurot Geshamim, which means a lot of rain or mighty rain. Here's might of rains, but mighty rain. But the word is the word for might is gvurot, which is gvura. It doesn't only mean a lot of rain, it means rain that is delineated, divided. So this is the idea of the might of rains that descend with gvura, which separates them, as he says, into individual drops. And this is the true meaning of chesed, for only thus can the rain water the earth that it sprout forth. The Torah says. In the beginning, when God created the world, that God created the world in such a way that the rain should fall and should water the earth and should cause the earth to sprout forth vegetation. But he says that's only going to happen when, that's only going to happen when the rain falls in individual drops. Imagine if the rain, instead of falling in individual drops, imagine if it fell all at once. It would crush, crush the earth. It would destroy stuff. It would destroy life. It wouldn't help life. The only way it helps life is when that rain comes down a drop at a time. One drop, another drop, 
another drop. That's gvura. Chesed would be all the water. Chesed would be the waiter pouring all the wine, Kiddush style, but not even stopping when it overflows a little bit. Just keeping on pouring. That's not sustained. Like, what am I supposed to do with that? Now the table is wet. My meal is now saturated with the wine. And my suit is ruined. Great. That's not a blessing. That's the opposite. All the rain falling at the same time would not be a blessing. It would be a curse. It would be a flood. Worse than a flood. It would be a uh, tsunami or whatever the right word is. Not a tsunami, whatever. It would be just unsustainable. The earth would get destroyed from this. Gevurot geshamim, might of rains, means that the rain falls with gvura. It falls in a drop, drop, drop fashion. And that is the idea of gvura. Chesed is giving. Gvura is withholding. The idea of stopping and starting the rain, stop, start, stop, start, stop, start, is, is a chesed. The truth is, even weather patterns, the fact that we have rain and then it dries up, and then rain and then it dries up, that, uh, that is also, what happens if it rains consistently, a lot of rain, days on end? It's called a flood. That's not good. I mean, and that happens, and that's, that's not good. So, gvura is necessary to appreciate, not only appreciate, to enjoy the blessing of the chesed of rain, you need gvura, that's the point here. So he's giving examples of where gvura is necessary to enjoy the chesed. Let's continue now. The third paragraph on page 266. The soul's powers, in other words, on a personal level, our soul also expresses this principle too. The voice, and this is the example that I gave you before, the voice as it issues from the heart's breath is, un- is unformed. In other words, pure voice is unarticulated. And is then, I'm adding the word then, divided into letters through the five organs of articulation. Aleph, hey, chet, ayin, from the throat, gimel, yud, kaf, kuf, from the palate, and so on. In other words, different letters are made different parts of the mouth, and the throat, and the tongue, and the palate, and the lips. I mean, think about the letters B, P, M. These are all lip letters, right? These are all lip letters. Um, we use our lips to form those letters. There are other ones that we use the tongue and the palate and the throat, uh, the various ways that we make sound. And again, we probably don't think about this. We're just so naturally communicative that we don't even think about how we're making the sounds. But we're making the sounds through a very complex, a very complex um, system of articulation. It's actually unbelievable when you think about it, how quickly things are moving inside our mouth when we speak. It's actually phenomenal. It's like mind-boggling. But his point is, if you have unformed, pure breath, pure voice, it's un- unintelligible. You can't understand it. When is voice, when is sound usable? It's when it's divided into letters. And he says, one, two, three, four, five lines down from that last paragraph, this occurs through the five severities of me- uh, five severities, the five gvurot of mem, nun, tzadik, pei, chaf. Those are five Hebrew letters, mem, nun, tzadik, pei, chaf, the source of speech. Why are these five letters the five severities? So it says in Kabbalah, these are the five letters. I mean, it's obvious also, but I mean, I don't mean obvious. It's... You don't need Kabbalah to understand this, but Kabbalah emphasizes this idea that these are the five letters that are final letters. In Hebrew, there are certain letters that are written in a different shape when they, when they come at the end of a word. Mem, there's a regular mem and a final mem. Nun, there's a regular shape of nun and a final nun when it comes at the end of a word. Tzadik, regular, final version. Pei, regular, final. Chaf, also regular and final. These are the five letters 
that have a version of the letter that appears at the end of a word to indicate that the word is done, which means that's the idea of gvur. A gvur means that a word is now complete. Like you had a word and now it's done. Typically it's a longer letter. It extends below the line. It's kind of like a pin that you put in or like, um, like a mark, like done. Like we've been going on, finished. Now, word, other words end without final letters. Not every word ends with a final letter, but the point is that the final letters represent the div gvura, of withholding, of stopping. You had a, a flow of sound, and now it's stopping. Each letter does that, but these letters represent, they're kind of like the archetypes of this notion, and thus they are the source of speech, the source of articulation. Listen to this, the next line. The introduction to Zohar comments, says in Kabbalah, on the verse from Psalms, Kos Yeshuos Esa, I will raise the cup of salvation. That's the verse. So what does the Zohar say? That a cup of blessing, I mentioned this before, a cup of blessing, a cup of blessing refers to, let's say, Kiddush, or um, by, a, by a simcha, by a wedding or a bris, right? Any cup of wine that is for a mitzvah, a cup of blessing, Kosh Bracha, must rest on the five fingers. As I told you before, right? You have to hold it like this. And it is explained there in Zohar and Kabbalah that they represent... The five severities. These five fingers represent the five severities. It is specifically they, the five severities, that are called salvations. As they said, and these five are called salvations. The five severities, the five fingers, are called salvations. See Ramaz there, it's a commentary, who explains that these are the five severities that issue from Yisodavatik. And I feel like, let me explain this for a moment, because we have a lot of Kabbalah here, and I want to make sure that it's all understood. Because it's, it's really beautiful concepts that, that are everyday concepts that make a lot of sense, but the language can be a little bit confusing. The Kabbalah says, that, and this is why we do it, why Chabad does it certainly, that when you, when you, when you um, prepare to drink a cup of blessing, i.e. Kiddush or Seder wine or any, any mitzvah wine, I mean, you go to a bar and, and say, L'chaim, that's, 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 that's personal, you know, personal time. But any mitzvah, right, any mitzvah, um, experience when there's wine or another beverage like that so you hold it in your hand with your five fingers like this why because the five fingers represent the five gvurot the five severities what's the five of, of attic why is the five severities we're going to explain on the next page but i'm going to tell it to you right now because the hand is also divided into different fingers think about it this is gvura dexterity in the hand dexterity right, is a product of gavura. If, if we just had hands that were unformed masses, right, just, just a hand, we wouldn't have the same dexterity. We wouldn't be able to do things with the fine motor skills that we can if we have different fingers, different digits. You with me on this? Turns out the gavura is really a chesed, right? To, oh, wait, split fingers, that's not good. It's splitting, it's, it's dividing, you know, it's dividing, that's not good. It is good. It is a blessing. It is a, why is it a blessing? Because now suddenly we can do things that we couldn't do if we just had. Put on a glove, right? Put on a glove that just, or a mitten. Remember when you were a kid? Remember you were a kid, you didn't have gloves with fingers. You had a mittens that had like a thumb and the, and the other four, right? And then you're trying to like, try to write. Oh, baseball gloves, walk around baseball gloves all day. Right, baseball gloves, right, exactly, baseball gloves. You can't, you don't have the use. So it turns out that the hand is symbolic. The hand is literally a visual of the five gvurot. One, two, three, four, five. Five fingers. These are five severities. Literally, 
Incarnate, in, 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 incarnated, incarnated in the hand. You look at your hand, you've got five gavurot, another five, ten, no, okay, five gavurot right here embodied in the physical body. Five fingers are the five severities. And therefore, now these are not negative severities. These are good severities. This is good. In other words, the gavura here is a blessing. The gavura here is a good thing. Why? Because it allows us to to deal with the world in a way of fine motor skills. That's a, that's a blessing. It's not a curse, it's a blessing. Turns out that the five severities of the finger are a blessing. That's why, kos Yeshua says, so that's why we put the wine, the kosher bracha, the wine of blessing, resting on our palm with the five fingers holding it, indicating that the blessings that we receive from God, we want them to be divided into usable categories. We don't want the rain to fall in one plach down from heaven. That's Yiddish for like just falling down. We don't, want, we don't want the rain to come down in one sheet of rain. We don't want the blessings to come as undifferentiated blessings. We want them to come in a way that we can receive it. Not in a way that's, you know, bigger. You know what happens? You know what happens when a blessing comes down unfiltered, uncut, undifferentiated, without the severities? We, th- we think of that as a curse. We think of that as a tragedy, as a natural disaster. That's how we, we look at it as, that's not a blessing. Even though it's a lot of water. That's, you wanted water? Here's a lot of water. That's not a blessing. What is it? Natural disaster, a tragedy. Why? Isn't it a lot of water? Water's good, yeah, more water's better. The most water ever should be the best. But it's not. It's not. Chesed without gvura is a curse. It's a tragedy. It's not a blessing. That's the big idea here. Chesed without gvura is not a blessing. So when we say Kiddush, we want to channel God's blessings. Shabbat, we want God's blessing. A holiday, God's blessings. A simcha, a life cycle event. God's blessings. Great. Hold it with the fingers. Hold it with the fingers. We want the blessing to be differentiated. Five gvurot. We want the blessing to be cut down to size. We want the water to be channeled into drops or channeled into tributaries so that we can enjoy it. We want the blessing to come in in a way that we can bite-sized pieces, so to speak, that we can enjoy it. Big enough that it's good, but bite-sized enough that we can enjoy it. Right? Food is good when we chew it into bite-sized pieces. If there was too much, it would be choking, it wouldn't be enjoying the food. Donna. Yeah, so, like you're saying, like the big storm, like the tornado, whatever, in contracts in the United States, we call them acts of God. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Acts of God. So the point here is, we don't want acts of God. We want acts of severity. Now, we don't, oh, severity, that sounds harsh. We want the chesed to channel the gvur. And the point, one of the ideas that we're going to have here in a moment, is that the gvur of Attic. It's not gvura. It's not ugly gvura. We think of gvura as severity. Ooh, stay far away from gvura. Severity sounds super harsh and negative. We don't want harsh discipline. We want divine discipline. Who wants divine discipline? Give me divine love. I want love, not discipline. I don't want to be told no. But you need no. You need, a, you need the vision to have the blessings, to have the dexterity, to have the, be able to enjoy the blessing. So you need that. Um, Michael, jump in. So, so I, I'm interested in your, in your um, uh, you know, talking about the rain, and um, you know, because you also have the situation if, if there was too much differentiation, you know, if it falls as drops but too slowly, right? Then, you know, it doesn't saturate the earth, it doesn't get down into the roots, it, it is of no use to you, right? You know, it's basically just just you know water falling on the ground that, that does does no good. So, so there's got to be some aspect of balance to this. Yes. Yes, very well said. There needs to be a balance. We need the right amount of chesed coupled with the right amount of gvura 
to make it perfectly usable for us in the right context. Exactly. When, you know, like when it snows here in Atlanta on very rare occasions, my kids get super excited about it, right? If it snows a little bit too slow and it melts upon contact, ah, you can't make a snowman. It's only when it snows exactly the right amount with the right, it snows too much, gewalt, then we're all in trouble. Then the city shuts down for a week. But it's when, you know, it snows the right amount, etc. you know, um, um, anyway, so that's that. Let's continue. Let's hold questions for right now. Um, and let's continue because I want to make sure to finish the chapter and we have a few minutes left. We can always take questions after the session. Okay, let's jump back in to 268. Thus, and this is all stuff that I've told you. I've jumped the gun, but it's only in order that, that, that we were prepared. We've, uh, we've watered the ground, so to speak, so that hopefully everything will make sense. 268. At the top. Thus, the five severities, the five gvurot, are termed five fingers. Five fingers and five gvurot are the same thing. The human hand, before it divides into fingers, again, theoretically, before it divides into fingers, contains the hand's power without separation. It's the pure power of the hand. Where the, where the hand divides into five fingers, the power also divides to provide each finger the particular defined power appropriate to that finger. As explained in the Talmud, the Talmud says that each finger is for its own purpose. The Talmud says this finger is for this. This division is an expression of gvura, the severities. But the, so on the one hand, it's negative because you had so much power concentrated into one area, and now you have the power divided. Oh, that seems like a limitation. But these five severities are the epitome of kindness. It's a good thing, right? The gvura is chesed. That's the that's the mind, that's the that's the whole point of today. What seems like gvura is actually chesed. Were the hand not divided into fingers, it could never perform work, in other words, certain types of work, or write again, efficiently, etc. Uh, obviously, today we can. There's a lot of things that can be done even without that uh, the, you know, fingers. But the point is that that the fingers do add and do assist. Its effectiveness, the hand's effectiveness, comes from the fingers that are differentiated. So, although the generality of the power resides in the hand, in other words, although the power in totality would reside in the in the pure hand itself. If not for the severities, the division of the fingers, there could be no activity or beneficence from the power in the hand. In other words, it wouldn't be able to be actualized. So yes, you would have the power, you'd have the potential, but it wouldn't really be able to, to be actualized in the same way without the division of the fingers, which is the gvura. The, the five severities then perfect the workings of kindness. So the gvura helps the chesed. Similar to the manner of the might of rains noted above, similar to the, to the way that drops help the rain be received by the earth to provide growth as opposed to just getting flooded and, uh, and destroying uh, civilization. Therefore, listen to this, Gavurot, severities, are called Yeshuot, salvations. As I said before, Kos Yeshua Sessa, raise the cup of salvation. What's the cup of salvation? The cup that's resting on the salvation. What's the salvation? The fingers. Why are... Fingers called salvations. Why are Gavurot called Yeshuot? Because Gavurot and Yeshua are the same thing. Gavurot is severity, Yeshua is salvation. Salvation means, what is salvation? Salvation means the ability to, 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 to benefit, to utilize, to be, to be blessed by the blessing. And that's a product of the division of the fingers. This is also the reason, he says, why the cup of blessing, when we say Kiddush, etc., must rest on the five fingers. In their source in Attic, 
And this is what I was saying a moment ago. In their source in Attic, in, the, in, in that beautiful godly realm, the five severities are all the more merged with the five kindnesses. In other words, the five severities, the Gvura and the Chesed, there's five severities and five kindnesses, they're all merged together. Why? For there is no left side in Attic. In Attic, you don't really have right and left as we have it depicted here in the Sefirot. There's right, which is Chesed, and left, which is Gvura. It's all really one, which means that the Gvura is a part of the Chesed. The Chesed is part of the Gvura. You can't really differentiate. I know we're talking about differentiation, but you can't really say, well, I don't know, maybe it's just pure Gvura. Maybe it's nasty Gvura. It's not, na it's not negative Gvura. The Chesed and the Gvura are really all one they're really one for one purpose and one energy, as it is in Attic. Again, the way it exists here, Gvura could be very ugly. Gvura could be no. Discipline, harshness, criticism, uh, shouting, anger. Gvura could be very ugly the way it manifests, the way it could be expressed below in our withholding. Right? It could be very, very harsh. Um, and not for any utility of chesed. A person could exercise Gvura not for a good reason. And not for the betterment of another, but just because they're being mean. Gvura could be mean here, but not an attic, not with God. God's Gvura is part of Chesed. It's part of the love. It's the five fingers. It's not a negative. It's positive. It's not even like a part two. Like, I, I know we're kind of saying that it's part one, part two, like Roshana, and then you have Neila, you have the Chesed, and then you have the Gvura. But above an attic, it's not really part one, part two. It's like... It's all part of the same, it's all part of the same uh, element. Back inside, the sweetening or modification of the sphero below results from the condition of the severities in their source. In other words, how do you fix harshness below? If somebody has an anger issue, how do you fix it? By meditating on the fact that gvura above... So what's the issue? The issue is too much gvura. You meditate on the fact that above gvura is not about harshness. It's about kindness. Ah, so that can fix it. In other words, through med meditating on the source of Gvura, that can actually fix Gvura the way it's manifest below. Obviously, it requires more work than just meditation. It requires actual implementation. But the point is, that's the, that's the, that's the meaning of this. The sweetening of, or modification of the severities below results from the condition of the severities in their source. For judgments, Gvura, can only be sweetened in their source. As Priyat Schaiman Kavana Tashofer notes. Nevertheless, Although above it's chesed, they are called severities, gvura, for they are the agents for the perfection of the effectiveness of the kindnesses through dividing the flow so that it may be received by creatures. Moreover, they make it possible for the kindnesses to flow to each of the creatures individually. So, number one, it makes the chesed flow intelligible, it makes it defined, and it makes a flow to each recipient individually. That's something we haven't spoken about yet, but I, I did allude to it when I spoke about, let's say, a big river and how you channel it to field, to Ruvain's field, Shimon's field, Levi's field, Yehuda's field. Each one of us, let's say, has a field, right? Some water to you, some water to you, some water to you, some water to you. That's also what happens at Neila on Yom Kippur. What happens on Neila is not only is the God's pure chesed divided into categories of blessings that are usable, but it's also divided into the recipients, Right? Ed and Donna and Sandrine and Adam and Matt, right? All everyone gets their blessing. It's all divided, five fingers, boom, 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 boom. As well as our online crew. Now, back inside. Back inside, because I want to do a little bit more to finish this chapter. But we need more details on how we get the, how the individual blessings. How, okay, all right. So, let's continue. We've got two more paragraphs left. The chesed that is elicited in Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur from the five kindnesses of Atik. 
So the initial chesed flow is a generalized chesed for the universe in general. So the initial yes, when God says, yes, I will invest, that is general for the entire universe. Forget mankind in general, for everything in creation, from the caterpillar to the rainbow to the cloud to the tree to the human to the Martian. The Martian, <laughs> if there's such a thing, right? To the to Mars, right? So you have the the the, the yes, the, the initial yes of Rosh Hashanah Yom Kippur, when God says, Yes, I'll invest, yes, I'll fund the world, the, the universe again, it's general. The five severities elicited at Ne'ilah, that's why Ne'ilah is so important. Ne'ilah means close. Close is against severities. It's divided. The five severities elicited at Ne'ilah are not a negative thing. Ne'ilah is negative. No, it's not negative. They determine the flow granted to each individual being. How much shall reach each being? Now, in addition, listen to this. What happens in Ne'ilah is the seal. We said the seal of Ne'ilah. We had that quote before from Eitzchayim. Or pre In addition, the seal of Ni'ilah acts to prevent the flow from reaching inappropriate destinations, meaning that the externals shall not benefit from it. I want to give you a simple example of this. Imagine someone makes whatever X amount of money, but imagine throughout the year some of that money has to be spent on expenses that they don't want to spend the money on. Are you with me on this? Yeah? Car breaks down? There's a leak in the house? Plumbing, roof? I mean, you and I could list a thousand different expenses that are unexpected that we'd rather not pay. So there's two issues. There's how much do you get, but there's also when you got it, did you spend it where you wanted to? Are you with me on this? Or did it go to um, inappropriate destinations? And I say inappropriate, uh, destinations that you'd rather not, right? You'd rather not have to spend money on a medical bill, correct? A hundred percent every day of the year, Right? Who wants to, God forbid, not be well and then need to spend the money on, on the medical bill? So there's two things. There's one is getting it. Hey there. There's one, one is getting the funds and the other one is spending it on what you wanted to spend it on. Let's continue inside. Um, hey, Ashley. Good to see you. Um, as the chesed is distributed to individual beings through the five severities... Right? So as chesed is now channeled through these five channels, five severities, the beneficence, beneficence of chesed is in a limited state. So the unworthy will not be able to benefit from it. Only when the light is unbounded can it spread too far and be drawn into improper sights. In other words, if there were no limitations on the light, if it was pure light and energy flowing, then it might go into improper channels. But when it is limited, it does not reach where it should not. It stays where it should go. It's received. Again, if you're pouring, the kid is notwithstanding, if the waiter, waitress, whatever, is pouring the wine and it starts flowing everywhere, it's going to go perhaps where it shouldn't go. It's when you temper that, when you limit that, that flow, that it can be received where it's supposed to be received and not go elsewhere. This too, he says, is part of the function of the five severities that in terms of the individual as well, there be no nurture for the externals from the beneficence of chesed granted that individual. In other words, that when the individual gets what they get, it shouldn't go elsewhere where it shouldn't be going. This is the seal of Ni'ilah, the sealing and distribution of the beneficence of chesed individually to each and every being. And so let me close this out today. Um, with a summary of what we discussed. We discussed today the value of Gevura, or really the necessity of Gevura, in the process of Chesed. 
Chesed is giving, Gvura is withholding. And so we think, give me more Chesed, give me less Gvura. But the way life works is you need, you need Gvura to enjoy the Chesed. Pure Chesed, uncut, ungevurad, so to speak, you can't enjoy that chesed. What kind of chesed is that? That's like a pure 7,200 7, volts coming into your house. You're going to enjoy that? Good luck. Every appliance in your house will be busted. Your oven, gone. Your refrigerator, toast. Your toaster, even more toast. Everything is gone. You plug something in, it's going to blow up. Everything, all your computer, see you later. Yeah? You want more? The bigger the better? The more the better? More volts? Yeah? Give me more volts. I want, I want all the volts. You want all the volts? Good luck. You can't enjoy the blessing without gvura. You can't enjoy the volts without a transformer. That's the way it is. You can't enjoy the blessing without gvura. Chesed is not chesed without gvura. You can't enjoy the hug unless it is somewhat limited, somewhat held back, right? That's the way it is. And so in life, in life, it's important to recognize the need for the fingers. It's not enough to have the hand energy, but it has to be divided into fingers. When we have a plan, an idea, we want to change the world, okay, how are we going to do that? What's the action plan? How are we actually going to go about that? What's, what's the strategy? We've got to break it down into pieces that actually make sense and are doable and are feasible and are, uh, and, and are um, achievable. So gvura is a necessary part of chesed. In terms of the, of the year, it's very important what we discussed today. Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur is when God says, yes, I will invest in the universe. But that yes to the investment is chesed, pure chesed, undifferentiated, undelineated, undefined chesed that is for the entire universe all at once. That's like a lot of rain all at the same time. What happens at Ni'ilah, the closing, by the way, Ni'ilah, you know what prayer number that is for Yom Kippur? How many prayers are there in Yom Kippur? Five. That's number five. Number five. The five gavura, the five gavurot, the five severities happen at prayer number five. At Ni'ilah, that closing, I was going to say ceremony, but that's the Olympics. The closing service, that's when the flow, imagine like a pasta maker. You ever see those pasta makers? Where like it, it comes out through the the holes, and now it's like whoosh, coming out. So you had a bunch of pasta, and now it's in individual strands that you can enjoy. You're going to enjoy a big, a big lump of pasta? I don't know. Good luck on that. But now it's coming out. I got linguine. I got, uh, what else do I have? I have spaghetti. What am I missing? Whatever. Whatever I have. It's now coming out through, through the holes. It's now being, right, it's being limited. There's a gvura there. It's coming out through different holes, but now I can utilize it. That's what happens in Ila, is that the chesed takes on specific form, so now it's going, to ha- it's going to manifest itself this way, and this way, and this way, and this way, and at the same time, to this person, to this person, this person, this person, and hopefully to this person up to a certain extent in a way that they can enjoy it and not go to, to end, end uses that are not what the person wants. In other words, spoken very simply and very clearly, that we should we should be blessed with what we need in the right areas of our need and that the blessings that come to us should be utilized only for the things that we want to utilize them for and not for things that are not pleasant to use them for. And let us say, Amen. So it shall be. All right, so that is it for today. 
the power of Gevura in our lives, in our relationships, in our communication. Every time we speak, we are utilizing Gevura. Every time we use our hands, we're utilizing Gevura. And let us remember that as we go through our day. All right, so that's it for today. Just a quick announcement, a few quick announcements. Number one, today at 12.30, so about an hour and 50 minutes, we are going to be doing, um, IJ, having IJ Mitzvah Day, Meals of Love. Um, thank you very, very much for, um, for our kind, to our kind sponsors, for helping sponsor meals, um, and for, for our volunteers who are coming. If you have yet to sign up to volunteer, if you'd like to help sponsor a meal or both, you can join us, just show up, 12.30. We're gonna be upstairs in the building, in the kitchen, and the rooms next to the kitchen, making a tremendous uh, meal, benefiting women without homes, residents of Rebecca's tent. So that's happening today at 12.30. Um, next announcement is tomorrow night. We have a new parenting uh, master class being taught by Rabbi Elio and Dina Schusterman. That is happening tomorrow night, launching uh, 8 o'clock right here in Jeff's place. What else do we have? Tuesday night is, huh? Book club is being postponed. I'm going to send that an email. Um, to scheduling conflict. We have then Tuesday night, we have the UB the Judge course. Thursday night is the Joy Factory. It is a happiness workshop led by Mrs. Razel Schusterman, Rabbi Schusterman's sister-in-law. She is a positive, what is she, a positive life coach? Positive life, positivity, positivity coach, something like that. And um, she is going to be talking about joy and positivity, even amidst uh, times that are complicated and confusing. So that's happening Thursday night. Join us for that as well. Everything's on the website, intownjewishacademy.org. Hope to see you soon. All right, thanks for joining. Take care, everybody. See you guys.